0: It's my great privilege to introduce, come on up, Ed, to introduce my friend, Ed Dixon. Now, give him a welcome. Come on, I'll tell you a little about him. <coughs> now, let me tell you a little bit about him, because he and his wife and family, they actually live in Ukraine for 27 years, right? And uh, that they have rented a place here, because his older daughter's going to grade 12, and then on to university. I met Ed in Kyiv in 1998, and uh, went over with Ron Garrison and uh, Les uh, Paulson, and uh, we had a huge group, 30, so we split it up. I took 15 with me to Moscow, and years later, I realized I took a picture of Putin giving the wreath, but anyway, that's another story. And then, Les went down to Odessa to teach in the Bible College. It was a phenomenal time. I didn't think we'd make it through Kiev because we had about 20 body bags, you know. I, I call it hockey bags, but I mean, full of stuff. And I thought, how in the world are we going to get through customs? And then, our friend Ed showed up. And, miracle of miracles, he's been doing this forever, Mr. Go-Between. And uh, so... Tonight, he's actually going back to the Ukraine, and uh, he has a missionary heart. And all of the funds that have gone through Erdo uh, for the Ukraine have been channeled through Ed Dixon because he has a credible ministry, and it's lots of love, okay? And uh, after hearing this, if anybody here wants to make a donation, we do have envelopes and pens there. And if you just feel moved, I know we got visitors, so that's good. And uh, we just want you to feel free to do so, and we'll make sure that you get that,
1: Ed. But you welcome Ed Dixon, please. Thank okay. you. Oh, Thank pleasure. you very much, David. Thank you. There's
0: a special family, too.
1: I Thank you very much. Uh, I'm really happy to be here today. And most of all, I was extremely happy feeling that the Holy Spirit was already speaking this morning. Did you feel that? And uh, what I felt him saying was how powerful the name of Jesus is. And uh, without Jesus, we wouldn't be here today. Without Jesus, I wouldn't be standing here. Absolutely would not be standing here in front of you today. And so uh, I praise the name of Jesus this morning and give him all thanks for everything we're going to talk to you about today. Um, And I also felt the Holy Spirit saying that I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I felt that especially strongly because that's what I felt God wanting me to talk to you about today. Um, That we shouldn't be afraid. If we are children of God, we have nothing to be afraid of. No matter where we are, no matter what the situation is around us. And what a wonderful message that is. Um, I also realized when I was, just when I was sitting here this morning, I recalled something from my past and that was that when I turned 18, I took off in an airplane from Arthur, Ontario. And I jumped out of that airplane <laughs> in Arthur, Ontario. I remember that now. And and uh, uh, thank God I had a parachute on when I jumped. And uh, I also remember that Uh, I don't know if any of you know the place where they used to take out. Do they still do that here? No, they don't do that anymore? (laughs) That's a good thing, probably. (laughs) Because uh, I remember they told us the field that we were going to land in was kind of rocky and sort of uneven. And so you had to be careful when you landed. And I jumped out of the plane. I'm coming down with the parachute and I saw the field, it was just a little, like a little stamp where, where we're supposed to land and they had told us it wasn't all that great. Well, right beside it was a beautiful wheat field <laughs> and it just looked wonderful. So I kind of guided my parachute over to the wheat field. So, so if, if you're a farmer here today and you happen to be the one that had the wheat field, I apologize. Uh, but uh, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, yeah, that was Arthur Ontario. I'm, I'm uh, like, uh, like David said, working in Ukraine for 27 years. I love Ukraine. I love the Ukrainian people. My wife is Ukrainian. I was in Ukraine for seven years, and then I met my wife, and she's here today, and I'm going to have her stand up. <clears throat> she's absolutely beautiful, as you can see, but even more beautiful on the inside. Uh, She's a wonderful Christian, and uh, I'm just so happy that she's a part of my life and that she puts up with me uh, as a missionary. We have four beautiful daughters, and um, our oldest is actually 25. Our next oldest daughter, who's in grade 12 now, is 18 on Tuesday. And then we have a 12-year-old, Michelle. And we have a four year old. And now you're all wondering, how old is that dude? Right? But uh, God has blessed us just uh, in amazing ways. And uh, this little girl that we have, who's four years old, her name is Steffi. She's full of energy. And I actually prayed before she was born I said, Lord, um, can you just help me th- that I would have enough energy? To be the kind of father that she needs, right? She deserves a good father. And uh, what I've learned is that God gives you everything you need. Right? And uh, so it's just a blessing. She's a blessing. We were, we were sitting on the couch the other day. And she's sitting beside me. She looks at me. She says, Dad, can I have a Popsicle? And I said, well, we're going to have to ask your mom. She said, you don't know? (laughs) I said, well, actually, I'm just your dad. (laughs) And she looked at me, and dads don't know anything? (laughs) And I'm like, you can't believe how close to the truth you are right now. But uh, just full of life, uh, amazing young lady, and uh, I'm, I'm so excited. And also, you know, having four daughters... I've also realized, and thank God they mo- they look like their mom, uh, I'm surrounded by beautiful women. And I realized that's what I've wanted all my life, you know, <laughs> since I was a little boy, to be surrounded by beautiful girls. And uh, and there I am, but just uh, feeling really blessed. And, and we live in Ukraine. We've been in Ukraine for, like, a, since I went there 27 years ago. And... Uh, um, we happen to be back right now. I guess you could say by God's providence, we happen to be back in Canada right now when the war broke out, because if we were there, we would have been spending the first few weeks probably just getting across the border and fleeing. And um, I have a friend here today. His name is Walter, Walter Seminuk. His son was in Ukraine when the war started, and uh, they were part of that group that was spending... Hours and hours and days and days just trying to get across the border when the war broke out. And uh, uh, Walter, just stand up. Walter's here. This is Walter Semenoff. Walter's actually here mainly because he's given me a ride to the airport today. <laughs> and my family's going back the other way to Chatham where we have our head office for Loads of Love. And so uh, uh, Walter's a great Ukrainian. And I love Ukrainians. I mean, you can't be a missionary to Ukraine, called to Ukraine, if you don't love Ukrainians. And many of you know, uh, if you see pictures of Ukrainians, right, generally the Ukrainians in pictures are like this. This is a Canadian in a picture, right? And then the Ukrainian is standing there. And uh, what I've learned is that Ukrainians don't fake emotions. And this is interesting because they feel that, you know, it wouldn't be nice to fake an emotion that you're not actually feeling. It's kind of interesting. Like, uh, we tend to be a little bit more that we can kind of fake emotions sometimes, uh, whereas they don't. And uh, I've come to appreciate that, you know, because what you see is what you get, right? You're not, you don't have to go away guessing. I wonder if that person really likes me or not, you know? Whereas here, you might meet someone who's really nice and, you know, you never know for sure. But uh, also Ukrainians. If you have any Ukrainian friends, they tend to speak exactly what they're saying. Right? Well, like they just—they don't hold back. They're just like this is what they're thinking, so this is what they're going to say, and that can be extremely refreshing sometimes. It can also be very awkward, <laughs> you know. But uh, I've come to appreciate that as well. I appreciate again that you're not left guessing. Uh, what someone thinks or what their feelings are, and uh, I appreciate it. I have to tell my favorite story of all from when I was in Ukraine, and that was my dad gave me his uh, Toyota, and he said, Ed, you can have this car, and I thought, well, I could ship it over to Ukraine, right? So I found out it only cost me $1,200 to ship the car from Toronto to Germany. And then I was in Ukraine, so I took a train to Germany. It only cost me $100, and I went to the port in Germany, picked up the car. They got it off, they had it off the boat, and I went and picked it up. And then I paid a little bit of money for some insurance in Europe to be able to drive it. Just uh, They gave me a month's worth of insurance so I could drive it. And I drove the car on the Autobahn through Germany, then uh, all the way through Poland. You know, it's quite a drive about 20 hours altogether. And I came up to the border in Ukraine. Well, the thing was, the car still had the Canadian license plates on. And so when I got up to the border, the guy is looking at me. And he's looking at the license plate and then looking back at me. He says, where did you drive from? (laughs) And I, of course, said, from Canada. He just said, way to go. <laughs> and then probably later on, he thought about his geography lessons. And, <laughs> uh, but uh, just amazing people, uh, wonderful people. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be uh, a part of what's happening in Ukraine. And I say that I'm blessed, even even with what's happening right now, to be a part of what God is doing in Ukraine, uh, David knows, and other people know that uh, when I first got to Ukraine, I happened to walk into an orphanage that had 120 children, and they were all—they all had severe disabilities. And in fact, the orphanage was surrounded by apartment buildings, where people in the apartment buildings could see into the orphanage property. And inside the orphanage property were children without arms, without legs, you know, severe disabilities, And uh, the people who lived around the orphanage, they had a nickname that they called it. They called it the place that God forgot. And when we got in there, number one, you know, it wasn't really super clean. Number two, the children crawling around without proper wheelchairs or proper equipment or anything. And not only that, every one of these children was abandoned by their parents at birth. And they knew it. All these children knew that their parents had abandoned them and didn't want them. And imagine as a child thinking, knowing that your parents are out there somewhere but didn't want you because of your physical nature and it was depressing it was uh i would say you could feel like a a deficit of love that you would generally feel in a situation in that place there wasn't much love we got into one room there was uh 20 children in this one room and uh sometimes crying you know uh 20 kids all in this room and uh We walked around and looking at the kids, and we began to realize that these children had never been taken out of their cribs. In fact, they were kept in their cribs. They'd never been outside. One of the girls who was in her crib was like this, and she was 19 years old, we found out later. And the workers told us, why would we take them outside? These children will never walk. They'll never talk. They don't understand anything. And you know what I was thinking. You would have thought the same thing. These are children, right? They need to be loved. They need to be, you know, it doesn't matter whether you think they can sense it or not. And we handed out toys that day because a guy had brought a suitcase full of toys. We handed them out to the children. And then I remember one of the guys said to me, Ed, would you like to say something to the children? And I was like, I don't really want to say anything. I, I, I didn't feel, you know when you're in that situation and you're just like, you don't have anything and you don't want to fake it? And I said, no, I don't really want to say anything. And then we finished handing out the toys and I was walking out of the orphanage. And you know what I had? I had this thought. If God exists, he's really there. Why would he allow this to happen? You ever think about that? Like, what did those children do to deserve that? And then the other thought I had was, what did I do to deserve what I have, right? What did I do? Like, did I win a contest before I was born? And, oh, you get to be born in Canada with great parents and, you know, wonderful uh, Mennonite family. And, you know, you're just all set someone else is born like that, that doesn't make sense to me. And then abandoned by their parents as well. And I remember walking out and I was I was really uh, just in this, I'd say, first crisis of Christianity after I'd gotten saved. You know, I, I couldn't figure it out. And as I was walking out of the orphanage, one of the little boys, he was on a little cart of wheels and he's pushing himself along and he came up to me and he's given me the toy back that I gave him as I'm walking out. So I called over one of the translators because I didn't speak the language at the time, and I said, what's he saying? What is he? Why is he giving me his toy? And the translator said, he, he wants to thank you for coming to see them, and he doesn't have anything else to give you. And I just, like, lost it, right? I walk out of the orphanage, I got outside, and I'm standing outside, and I'm looking up at the sky, I remember I'm just thinking, like, Lord, what is this about? And then um, I would describe it like this, a giant teardrop all of a sudden fell from heaven. It hit me right on the head. And I realized, this is it, God loves those kids. He loves them more than we can imagine. And what I realized is that when I gave my life to him, And I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, not what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. You know, that day when you give your life to Christ and you say, Lord, I'm done with my will. I want to do your will. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. And I realized God led me then to that place. Why? Because he wants to help those kids. He wants to change their lives. And that was it for me. I remember the guys coming out and I'm all excited all of a sudden. And I said, guys, I realized... God's speaking to me. We need to change this place. I'm going to change this place. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what we have to do. And I just started digging in, and from that day, we began to take children. The next day, I found a factory in Nipro that had uh, these like um, strollers. right? And I bought every stroller they had, took them down to the orphanage, and said, we're going to take these kids out. We're going to take them outside. I got volunteers from the church to come and help, and we started to take the kids out. We, we were rubbing their he- heads, you know, and just telling them, Jesus loves you. And we every day we were at the orphanage, every day. We had two girls that came from Canada and joined us, plus all the local volunteers that were helping every day. and coming. It was amazing. It was the best days of our life, you know. And uh, we were so ecstatic with what we were doing. But the workers, the local workers were kind of... It was almost like they felt we were trying to make them feel guilty or something. You know, like that they were doing something wrong before and now. So we had a bit of a struggle. We would bring gifts for the children sometimes and, and the workers would steal the gifts. We were just blown away. Like, how could, that happen? how could they take things from the children? And then we realized the workers at this orphanage, they were making under $100 a month. That was their salaries and they had children and then i realized our ministry isn't just to the children it's to the workers as well and we began to reach out to the workers i remember from canada a bunch of people sent some like uh, like gifts right for the kids but they also sent gifts i asked them to for all the workers right and we handed out these gifts to all the workers and I'll never forget the workers standing along the wall. They told me, no, 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 no. We don't want anything, you know. We... And I said, no, people from Canada, from the church in Canada, sent this for you. They specifically, and all your names are on them. And I'll never forget them standing against the wall with their gifts. And I turned over and I looked at them, tears running down their faces, you know. And we began to reach the workers as well, and they began to change. And the atmosphere of the orphanage changed. And then one day, Crystal from Chatham, Ontario, young girl who was volunteering there, comes running up to me. Ed, you won't believe it. I said, What? Vadim. One of the little boys they said would never walk, would never talk. He doesn't understand anything. He started to talk. And I was he did. And the, I, the first thing I asked her, just like you would have, I said, I, what did he say? And you know what the first words that came out of his mouth? He said, in Russian, Jesus loves me. The very first words that came out of his mouth, Jesus loves me. The power of the love of God, you know, children being able to grasp. And you know what we told the children, this you would tell them, and you know what, this is interesting because I can say the same thing to all of you here today. You did not come to this earth from your parents. You did not come to this earth from your parents. You came through your parents from God. God sent you here. And if God sent you here, He has a purpose and a reason that He sent you here. And many of those children, they grabbed onto that. And of course, the first words he would say is, Jesus loves me. And I can say, I can stand here in front of you today and say, out of those 20 kids they told us would never walk, would never talk, eventually, after years and years of work, six of those kids started walking. Eight of those kids started talking. And we saw amazing miracles happen in that place, and I can tell you stories uh, one after another. We have one boy from that orphanage. He's won four medals at the Paralympic Games in Rio de Janeiro and in Japan. He's hosted on national television in Ukraine, just a a hero of Ukraine for what he's done. Another girl, she was, um, I guess she would have been about eight years old. She has no arms and no legs. She was uh, pulled around with a rope on a little cart when we got there, and uh, she came up to an art class. We had a guy from a local church who came in, and uh, he was just teaching some of the kids artwork. So he's, you know, working with the kids there, showing him stuff, and she's there on her little cart, and she looks at him, and he, she, she says, well, I want to paint too, <laughs> and I'll never forget him talking to me after. He said, Ed, I was standing there, and I'm looking at her. I didn't know what to say. And she kept looking at me like I want to paint. And then finally she said to him, put the brush in my mouth, you know. And so she grabbed the brush with her teeth, and she began to paint. And if if I had one of her paintings right now, you guys would gasp. It's phenomenal what she does. If you've ever seen a picture of a flower, you know, just a photograph, and then imagine one of her pictures. It's even more beautiful than that. It's unbelievable the detail that she does with her paintings. And she's been honored on national television. Her name is Natasha Nikolenka. She's been honored on national television in Ukraine by the wife of the president of Ukraine as one of the heroes of Ukraine. And uh, just for what she has overcome in her life, Her artwork has been exhibited not only in Ukraine but around the world and even here in Canada. I had one of her paintings once. We had an auction at a golf tournament. And the guys got bidding on the painting because they loved it so much. And uh, her painting went for $2,600. Yeah, like just uh, amazing what God has done with her life. And now I'll tell you something else. Natasha is in Sarnia, Ontario. Living, she was, yeah, praise the Lord. Just before the war started, I was in Ukraine, I was with her, and she's looking at me, okay? And she's saying to me, Ed, I believe that I'm going to be living in North America. And I'm thinking, okay, she's done great things, she's full of faith, she's a wonderful Christian, but I didn't say it to her, but I thought to myself, well, that's a little bit hard to believe, you know, because you can't imagine how expensive it is to live in Canada, you know. And uh, I would say, let's see, just wait, five weeks after she told me that, she was in Sarnia, Ontario. Five weeks. And a group in Sarnia, Ontario, they run a seniors' residence there, and they just built these brand new apartments. And Natasha had told me before the war started, she said, I'm going to be in this beautiful apartment. I just know it, you know. And uh, they had just built this apartment building and they gave Natasha an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment in this building uh, to the end of the year to live in for free. And then after that, the rent, because of the type of building it is or something, I don't know exactly what the regulations or whatever are, but she'll be paying $800 a month. Yeah, like, praise God, just what God is doing with her and uh, the amazing things that are happening. And I say all that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe a little bit more about what's happening with the war and everything today. I want to I wanna tell you about that. But I say all that to say that in the midst of chaos come great miracles. In the midst, sometimes, of what we see as a war or a storm, God is up to something. He's always up to something. He's always doing something. And that's why he says to us, don't be slaves to fear. Be children of God. Understand that you are children of God and God is doing something great in your life. Well, I have a special treat today because where's Alex? Alex, how many years ago was it? We were in Orangeville. Has to be in... in, Maybe 25 years ago, uh, I was speaking in, uh, in um, Orangeville, right? And I was talking about the orphanage, and also there were some friends of mine who were there in Orangeville at the time, and I'm going to ask them to come up right now because they have an amazing story. Yeah, you guys are going to all come up. Yeah. Welcome Sue Greenfield, James Greenfield, Anna Lewis, okay, and uh, Mark Greenfield, and uh, this is interesting because when I started to work in the orphanages overseas, I was contacted by Mark and Sue, and they told me that they were adopting children in Ukraine, and I'm going to have them take over now just to tell you a little bit about the story because this is very interesting, and it's also an example of what God does in the midst of a storm.
2: So the year before we contacted you about adoption, I had gone to that orphanage that uh, Ed is speaking about. And um, as a profession, I'm a neonatal nurse. And while I was in Nipro, they opened up the baby orphanage and asked if I'd like to come for a visit. Well, of course I do. (laughs) That was two days before I was to fly home. And I had gone on my own. Mark had not gone with me. So we went to the baby orphanage, and all these babies were (laughs) just in in a crib the size of half of this section of chairs with linoleum, Um, and this little one with the biggest brown eyes that looked like pansies, I just picked her up and popped her on my hip, and I had her with me the whole time, and God just spoke to my heart. On the way home that night, I'm going to, sorry for my emotions, but it's incredible. Um, Does anybody know the old hymn, Rescue the Perishing? Okay, I don't. (laughs) I'd heard it once, and as I'm walking to work at the orphanage the next day, God said to me so loudly in my spirit, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Won't you touch just one life? And it's like, oh God, how do you say no to God? You say yes. And so we went uh, to the orphanage again the next day. And the director of the orphanage said, impossible. And as Ed was explaining, very straight face and very loud, it's impossible. And that was that. Um, she said, you cannot adopt an invalid, it's illegal. And you cannot separate twins. And I'm thinking, twins? This was just Anna. Um, but James was there too. But he was in a hospital uh, for the babies who weren't really going to make it. Um, so they had never been together. Anna was born, and two hours after birth, Anna went to an orphanage. James wasn't even born yet. James was born two and a half hours after Anna. And so their entire, until we brought them home, they'd never met each other. And this is a really long story that I'm not going to tell you uh, because this is about Ed today. But these are our beautiful twins. And when the world says it's impossible, God makes a way. He really does. And I, uh, God just downloaded a word to me as we were worshiping. And what he said to me was, um, we need each other. And Ed was over there the whole time I was working, but I wasn't working with Ed. He was, I think you were mostly Kip. And then when we came to adopt our twins, we would see Ed on and off. And we were, what was supposed to take one week took nine. They'd canceled court six times on us, and Mark and I were just at our end I'm ready to fly home. It was, it was just so discouraging. But egg came. I think we reached out to you and you came and you just spoke into our lives and he's like, Sue, God's got this. It's gonna be okay. And you said God would never give you something that you're going to be a slave to. He will take you to the banqueting table. And the word God gave me this morning was, We the church need each other. We need each other so much. And
1: together this is how we do things. So thank you. Hank. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Do you guys want to say something? Do you want to say something? <laughs>
3: um,
4: so, 25. Oh.
3: Yeah,
2: 25
4: um, so I'm James. I have my twin. I've lived here. Well, Canada is my home, so I've known this my whole life. Um, I live in Owenstown right now. I work as a caretaker. I'm working towards support working. I finally have my own place. Um, uh, Pretty fortunate for where I am in life. That's kind of where I look at. Um, Given what's going on anywhere around the world, it's pretty hard to see, but pretty fortunate to have family. I have my own home. I have a job. I have the ability to educate myself, learn, and go freely without having to fear for your life or being shot down or anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm pretty grateful for what I have. Um, up and down, life's just, I've had up and downs in my life, and I look back from a couple years from now, or from 10, 20 years, i look back and like, well, it wasn't too bad. Um, and to where I am now, I'm pretty proud of myself, to be honest, um, because I've been able to take care of myself and have the support, so pretty fortunate to have what I have. <laughs>
1: Oh, thanks. You, I just yeah. want to ask being knowing that you're from Europe and now seeing what's going on, watching the news and things like that, what are do you feeling?
5: Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's been a lot going on in the world, so you're already kind of at a low with COVID and yeah, yeah. dogs going crazy and everything, and to add to that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I, like, at work or something when it all happened and, like, really started, and I was like, there's a little bit of, like, shame not knowing more about Ukraine, and that's maybe, like, personal choice. I was like, oh, wow, I know a lot less going on than actually is going on. And, yeah, I think that was, like, a big one. I was like, wow, I know nothing about, like, where I came from because I'm so used to, like, Canada and, like, Miefer, to being home and everything. Um, And then I think another part was, oh, I could have siblings, that, you know, I may never meet just because of the situation that's going on there, and that was like a, uh, something that I've been like wrestling with, or being like, okay, like I don't have any control over this, and um, but I, I follow you on Facebook, and, and we're friends and everything, and uh, to see some of the the joy that's still being found in the midst of literal war, I was like, okay, there's, you know, you're reminded there is good in the world, and uh, that faith could really truly change worlds, and change lives, and, um, yeah, so, like, there's so much, much more good over, like, the shame, and the unknowingness of, of things going on, and, um, you know, I don't think I'll ever be a piece of what's going on, because, you know, it's terrible, and part of me wants to go over there, and part of me's like, no, I really like my home, and my dogs, and, you know, my husband, and, um, but, you know, if I can do anything over here, like, that's, that's my, my goal, I think, yeah, yeah.
1: Super. That's wonderful.
3: I'm the dad. (laughs) Um, The only thing I want to add is that it's uh, it's an absolute privilege when God gives you the opportunity to be a part of what He's doing in His world. Um, We are not to be looked at as being any different than anyone else or any more capable than anyone else. But it's amazing how, when you are asked, and I think Ed will vouch for this, when God says, "Will you?" and you say, "Okay," you receive so much abundant joy. I mean, my joy comes from watching these two and seeing where they're coming from and where they're where they are now. I couldn't be prouder of these two young people and and who they are and. I'm excited to watch what God is doing in their lives and the influence they will have. If they were still in Ukraine, they would probably have influence there. But the amazing thing is God's hand is far-reaching. And even though they were from Ukraine and they are here now, and they may not even understand how God is using them, but God is allowing their hands to reach even farther than what they may have when they were in Ukraine. So I appreciate the presence. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, you guys. Thank you very, very much. I think that's such an interesting picture, really, of what's happening uh, and really how God can, in trying situations, in uh, in the midst of the storm, let's say, right, God can do something great. When, uh, when the war broke out, I think everyone went into shock. Like, uh, we certainly went into complete shock. I was in Ukraine just a week before the war happened, and at that time, many of you know, there was... There was talk, right? They were saying, "Hey, there's going to be a war. Hey, there's going to be a war. There's going to be a war." And no one in Ukraine believed that Putin would invade Ukraine. Like they just like what could he possibly gain from that? Like what would be the it didn't make sense to anyone there at all. It didn't make sense to me. And even many people have asked me since the war started, like, "Ed, can you can you put a finger on what's the reason?" And you know what? Can very often I think to myself like thinking about uh, trying to make logic that would be trying to look into the mind of the devil himself and try to find some logic there. There's no logic there. I've often thought like if you look into the mind of the devil and you think logically, why wouldn't he repent? Why wouldn't he ask for forgiveness? Like. Uh, But it doesn't make sense. There's no logic there. It's just evil. It's just there are forces of darkness in the world that are trying to destroy and kill. And the interesting thing is that God never promised us that there would be no evil while we're here. In fact, God said, the devil, beware. Like he told us to beware because the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion, right? like seeking who he can devour, destroy. God tells us, beware. But he never tells us to be afraid. Right? This is the difference. And that's the amazing difference that I want to talk about today, just a little bit before we go. I just want to point that out. And I think, if you think about what's happening in Ukraine, we've seen it, Everyone has watched it on the news, you've seen the massive like, destroyed buildings, the destruction, the murders, the, everything that's going on, and the fighting. It's, it's really hard to find something positive in that. But about a month after the war started, I felt the green light that God said, now you can go. And so I got on a plane. I flew to Warsaw, like I'm going to be doing tonight. uh, About four weeks ago, I flew to Warsaw. I guess it would be about five weeks ago now. Anyway, flew to Warsaw. I got in a car. They drove me up to the border. I walked across the border of Ukraine. I have never walked across the border into the country in 27 years. Never. And this was the first time ever that I walked across the border. It was such a surreal feeling because... Um, you realized it was it was almost like if you could imagine your child is in the hospital in, a, in an emergency room on some kind of equipment and you just arrived at the hospital to come and see your child and see what's happened. That's the way I felt when I'm walking into the country that I've been serving for that long and, and not knowing exactly what was going on inside. Thank God we had internet we've had internet the whole time i thought for sure in the beginning of the war that we were going to lose the internet i thought for sure we were going to lose the ability to send money to bank accounts you know of the churches that we're working with but amazingly god has kept it i started telling people immediately when the war started churches were contacting me ed how can we pray and i said pray that the internet lines stay open pray that we can communicate with everybody pray that the banks stay open that you know the lines of of sending money stay open to the and so people began to pray and a uh, little while after that i don't, you may have heard it Elon Musk offered to put his starlink all over ukraine to keep the internet open and i remember thinking god can even use Elon Musk <laughs> You know? <laughs> God can use anybody and uh, not only that like we were sending money through the bank and imagine I'm here in Canada I'm sending money to churches on my phone right? because I had everything set up before we came again God's providence allowed me to set up everything so that it was all ready before we came because we were going to be in Canada anyway. I'm sending money and you know when you send money and it goes through you get a little green check mark on your app, right? And so a green check. And the first, when I started sending it, it would go through, I'd be jumping off the couch, you know, because I was so happy that the money went through, knowing what that money was going to do when it got there. And then one night all of a sudden, red X, red X, again, red X. Nothing was going through. And uh, I was able to call the manager. Of my bank, not knowing where exactly she would be, but I have it set up so that I can call her through through like a WhatsApp type of thing, and uh, I call her and I look, and she's in her office, in Kiev. There's a war going on right all around Kiev, and she's sitting in her office at the bank. And I said to her, I said, Nadia, are you in your office? And she said, Yeah. I said, There's a war going on. She says, I know. She said, But. And then I could see kind of like tears welling up in her eyes. And the bank manager in Ukraine said, I just know how important it is right now for this money to get through to people. And I was amazed, you know, amazed at what God is doing, but amazed that these Ukrainian people, they know how to handle crisis. They've been through so much, you know, it doesn't phase them. And they've been strong, and uh, you've all seen. I, I believe that the will. Uh, The Ukrainian people right now is like a light for the world. You know, people who stand up for what they believe in and aren't afraid. You know, aren't backing down. And uh, so I've been very inspired. When I got into Ukraine, I had an opportunity to go to the area just outside of Kiev, where our house is. And uh, I got to where the you know the areas and the bridge had been blown out. So we had to take a drive down and they had a small temporary bridge and to get across to the other side then we got to the area where I used to fill up with gas and the gas station was gone. The grocery store that we used to shop at was gone. Around our house I counted within a kilometer over 15 Russian tanks that were that had been blown up, you know. Many of you heard about Bucha that was just 5 kilometers north of where our house is. And uh, um, you could just tell a major battle had happened there. There were some homes the tank had driven right through the house, you know. Didn't even pay attention to the fact that there was a house there and the number of destroyed homes we saw. So we're driving up to our house and I'm preparing myself, you know, like if there's a tank in my living room, you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that. I'm not going to be upset or anything. And we got up there and our house... Not even one window was cracked. Just miraculously. Yeah, praise the Lord. And if, again, not that I wish bad on the other people and that everything's fine, but it was just such a sign to me that uh, in the midst of chaos, God's protecting us. The blood of Jesus Christ in any situation is on us. And if we are followers of Christ, He will protect us. And so I went on, we, we got through Kharkov, which some of you may know is in the eastern side of the country, and we were driving through. Uh, we were, so the people that we're working with in East Ukraine have evacuated over 5,000 people out of bomb shelters, and we were able to go into some of those bomb shelters where they were getting people out of. It was just an unreal experience, you can imagine. And uh, our workers, we have over 40 workers in Ukraine and 100 churches that we're working with, have delivered food now to over 30,000 families in Ukraine. These families have lost their jobs. They you know, have no income, zero income. They're really you know, running out of food, and so we've been able to be that for them. And thanks to Erdo as well for partnering with us on that. We're driving through Kharkov with one of the vehicles. We've purchased nine vehicles now over there that are being used to drive in and out, taking food in, taking people out. And as we were driving through Kharkov, all of a sudden, it felt like, you know, if you were sitting in a stadium and the entire stadium collapsed around you. And that's what it felt like and sounded like. I had no idea what just happened. I'm looking at the guy in front of me who's driving. I was sitting behind the driver, and I'm like wondering what's going on. And then I start looking around. I'm looking for the building that just collapsed. And there's nothing. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I looked to the side and I saw mushroom cloud starting to come up. And a missile, a Russian missile, had landed less than a kilometer from us where we were driving. It was such a surreal experience. Just I've obviously <laughs> never felt anything like that in my life before. But do you know what was the most amazing thing? the driver. He just kind of looked, and to him it was kind of like, another missile, you know, didn't hit us. So off we went. He said, we got people to rescue, let's go. We went off and we got into an area, we went into a bomb shelter, rescued about 33 people that day, and uh, got them into the vans and uh, drove them back after we got all the food out. And on the horizon, when we got to where the bomb shelters were, we could hear the uh, missiles and, and guns and everything going off like, like you know, like, like you see a storm on the horizon, kind of the dark storm. It was just such a surreal experience again. But I want to say this. One of the churches that we support in eastern Ukraine, near Donetsk, they were uh, evacuating the church from a city that was about to be taken over by the Russian army. And as they were evacuating, they're in the vehicle. And, you know, I guess there was three vehicles. There was about 15 people in each vehicle. Uh, They're like small vans, you know, and they're they're, uh, driving out. And as they're driving along, a Russian missile came and landed right beside them in the field and didn't explode. And I, you know... The guy, the pastor of the church, he got out of, they stopped the vehicles. They were so, like, and they were praising God, realizing what had just happened. They stopped the vehicles, and then he got out and took a picture of the unexploded missile and sent it to me. And I said to him, I said, Dima, like, that's probably not a good idea to get out and take a picture. And he said, no, no, it didn't explode. I said, what if you were standing beside it and you heard tick, tick, <laughs> you know, he'd be getting out of there really fast and kind of laughing with him, but again it was the, um, you know just a real genuine miracle of God. Another story is uh, my wife's friend uh, Luda, and she's from the church in Chernigov in the north, just, I'll, I'll, I'm going to close with this one, but her and her family were in a bomb shelter for, it was several weeks and uh, they couldn't get out, there was no way to get out, the even the, the mayor of the city was telling them, don't leave the bomb shelters while they were running out of food uh, and water. And they realized they needed to escape. And eventually they were able to get out. They got into a small bus. So there's several members of the church. And they got out of Chernigov. They were able to drive through Kiev at the time. And at that time, war was going on around Kiev, but they got through. They were on their way to Zhitomer, which is just west of Kiev, a pretty big city. And as they're driving to Jetomer in the bus, they got lost. And suddenly, they're in like a field, just an open field area, and they're wondering, the, the bus driver's like, I don't know, I must have taken a wrong turn or something, and can't figure out where we are. And as they're in the field, they hear the sirens, the bomb sirens going off in the nearby city. And that means there's bombs on the way. So they stopped the bus. They had nowhere to go. They couldn't go into a bomb shelter or anything. So they just got down in the bus and they all started to pray. And as soon as they started to pray, all of a sudden they heard the bombs hitting, going off, all around Jitoma. And uh, they just prayed and prayed. And eventually the bomb started. And after a while, the sirens turned off, which meant that it was okay to move again. And they eventually found their way back to where they were supposed to be. And as they got back on the path and the road they were supposed to be on, it hit them. They realized that if they had not gotten lost, they would have been hit. And uh, they just realized, you know, that God's hand was upon them in the midst of the storm. And so just, you know, from what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've felt, and again, I'm on my way there tonight, I just want to encourage you today. No matter what you're going through, God is saying, don't be a slave to fear. Don't be afraid. You know, you can know that you are a child of God and in any situation, He's going to protect you. His hand is upon you. He's doing His will in your life. That's what He's doing. So you can know for sure. Even when it seems to you that bad things are happening, you can actually know God's will is being done because you're a child of God. It's like the disciples in the boat and suddenly there's this big storm and they think they're dying, right? And so they wake up Jesus like, don't you know that we're dying here? Like, and what does he say to them? Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Jesus says, where's your faith? In other words, what do you believe in? Do you actually believe? Do you actually have faith? If you do, then you wouldn't worry about anything. And then, of course, he puts his hand up, peace, and the storm stops. But he didn't do that without giving them a lesson first, you know? Have faith in God, believe. We are children of God. God will never allow something to happen to us without some reason. And uh, so I just want to encourage you today. just want to encourage you to uh, not be afraid. Believe that God's will is being done. I want to thank everyone for the support, the support of this church. Like, think about it. Like, the amount of support that has come out from churches for Ukraine right now. This is Canada. After all the COVID and everything else and all, this is Canada. This is the real Canada. This is the Canada that people talk about around the world. When we travel around the world and you ask people about Canada, oh, I love Canada. You know why they love Canada? Because Canada always does something to help other countries. We're the ones that are always helping others. Churches in Canada right now are helping Ukrainians like never before. People are getting groceries. People are getting evacuated. And it's the churches over there that are doing all this with the support of Canadians, the support of churches here. And uh, so I just want to thank you, um, pray that God blesses you, and uh, covet your prayers as I go overseas. And once again, just thank you very much.